Hello, everyone. We are live. Welcome to another edition of the Saturday Standouts Live Show. We are back from a week absence, uh, talking about the college football season thus far. So we've got some, we got some weekly segments we're going to break down for you guys every week. So we're going to start off talking about the season in general, um, and then we're going to end their, end their, end it off with uh, NFL draft prospects and giving our upsets of the week. Uh, so since we're starting with a few weeks into the season already, let's go ahead and you know, give our surprising and disappointing teams. Um, Caleb, I'll have you start with this one. Yeah, uh, before we get started, just a quick shout out while, uh, you know, all the people are starting to jump on onto the show and everything to our, our two sponsors out there, and that's RX Hemp. Um, so if you head over to rxhemp.com, it's some, um, <laughs> what's up, Alex? Nice to see you <laughs> back on the stream here. Um, but head over to rxhemp.com, use code rxhemp-usn, and you'll get 10% off every single order that you purchase on there. Um, it's great stuff. Like I said, it's all natural CBD pain relief cream. Um, get off the pills. You don't need to be taking those pain pills, um, you know, for, for an achy back or achy knees or anything. Use all natural remedies like RxHemp. It's great stuff. And then also, if you're a betting person like myself, I know Sam just recently got into it as well with his uh, when his Green Bay Packers had an had a off week about a week and a half ago or so. So um, our, um, our betting website is through my bookie. <clears throat> Um, so mybookie.ag, great site, a um, bunch of different, you know, um, they do like some super contests every Saturday and stuff. I know Alex likes to hop in on those too. So if you use code um, USN100 over there, they will double your first deposit and it's a minimum deposit of $50 for that to be enacted. So head over to mybookie.ag, you know, go make yourself some money. Um, but yeah, we'll start off with our surprising and disappointing teams of the year. Um, so I guess I'll just go ahead and start with my surprising team um, of the season so far. And the surprising team for me this year is going to, or up to this point in the year, is going to be the BYU um, Cougars. Uh, I did not expect them to have the start to the season that they did. Um, it's very awesome to see, actually. I mean, they've played Navy, triple option team, but it's not the same Navy team that we're used to. Um, postponed the game against Army, so that would have been cool to see a little test there. Um, from that Army team. Troy just whooped up on them. Louisiana Tech whooped up on them. Had a closer game against UTSA, and then but came back out in Houston's first game of the season, which was at Houston, and put a whooping on them too. Um, what I love about this BYU squad is that um, you're usually used to BYU having a pretty physical defense, which, I mean, it's obviously still proven that they do by, you know, limiting these teams to under all of them under 30 points here to start the season. Um, but it's really their offense that has really taken off their – perhaps the best offensive team in the nation. I think they average around 46 points a game. So really, really cool to see, you know, what BYU's doing, especially with, you know, one of the one of the dark horse candidates that people are starting to throw away or throw around there in the Heisman talk, and that's with uh, Zach Wilson. So who do you have uh, when it comes to your um, surprising team here, Sam? Yeah, before I name mine, I mean, you, I'm really glad you brought up a dark horse because that's kind of what I was going to bring up too. <laughs> Um, with Zach Wilson, because I mean, he, he's got the arm talent, um, his accuracy is there and the people, you're right. And then pe people are viewing him as, you know, that dark horse talent. And I think, I think they're top 15. If I, I think they're 11, actually, if I'm not mistaken, um, right now, um, and we're, we're starting to see BYU, you know, kind of produce NFL talent, um, every few years or so. I know Jamal Williams is from, um, BYU. Uh, the, the name that I always remember from that defense is Sione Takitaki. Um, he's now in the Cleveland Browns. He's the guy that, 
you know, went off against the Badgers two years ago. Um, but we can get to the Badgers another time. But my my surprising team is the Arkansas Razorbacks. And I was reading earlier before we went on the air. Um, Sam Pittman announced, I think today or yesterday, that uh, Arkansas is his last team. And I didn't get the chance to read the article of the one previous because the headline was, um, you know, how how the, how Sam Pittman gained the trust and the respect of that Arkansas team. Arkansas is a team that relies a little bit more on the uh, passing game um, than the rushing, if I'm mistaken. Um, Rakeem Boyd, um, the game that really stood out to me, and I, I think they did get screwed, um, was Auburn. Um, I'm not sure if any of you watched it live, uh, but so what happened was they, the, Bo Nix tried to get the snap and the snap went out of his hands. So that's, that's a fumble and he picked it up right away and threw it and like threw it on the ground and they called it a spike. And I think they would have, I think Auburn like got it back anyways. Um, but I think Arkansas would have had the chance to win the game still. Um, but that's a game that stood out to me. We really saw them shut down um, a team like that. And even going into your um, going into uh, Mississippi State, Mississippi State's a team that's with Mike Leach, obviously, KJ Costello, um, a team that's almost darn near a, a rebuilt phase and like Mississippi state has lost a lot of talent and you look going into their, um, their previous games. I'm just seeing right here, Texas A&M, obviously like that. I'm going to talk about them like in a bit here. Tennessee was my second, um, disappointing team, which we'll get to. Um, but Texas A&M is going to be a real test. Another real test, I should say for, um, the Arkansas Razorbacks. And what's what's crazy is I have a friend that is a diehard Razorbacks fan. <laughs> you and I, like when we did these SEC predictions, we, we didn't see anything in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And they had a guy drafted at the Broncos in the second or third round, um, like Agnum. I don't recall his something Agnum. Uh, he's D-line, uh, edge rusher, uh, or D-tackle. Um, but they return um, Rakeem Boyd, obviously, uh, Mike Davis. Uh, he was the he was a top receiver. And I don't recall the stat because I, I remember we brought it up. It was like it was less than 500 or somewhere around there. And like that was the, like that was the school record or the top receiver that year last year. <laughs> and like that doesn't that doesn't say much. And yeah, hey, Franks, you and I were. Not high at all on Felipe Frank. Isn't that isn't that weird how that works out, huh? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ar Arkansas is my surprising team. Um, obviously, the, not a good showing against Georgia. Stetson Bennett's first game I mentioned on the College Game Day. Uh, so Stetson Bennett, um, he came to Georgia as a walk on, and then he transferred to the JUCO, um, and then he came back to Georgia on a scholarship. He was buried in that depth chart. He had Jamie Newman, JT Daniels. Um, um, there was another, oh, Brock Vandergift. He was five because there was another guy. I forgot his name. There was, a, there was a freshman in front of him. So he was five and he comes and worked his way all the way up to the starting role. And we, we, we've seen what he's been able to do. Um, so, uh, my, my surprising team though is the Arkansas Razorbacks. 
Yeah, um, and I think the only thing that I had mentioned we were going through, you know, the SEC predictions and we were speaking on Arkansas, the only thing that kind of, you know, piqued my interest on what could possibly make them a better team than we were suggesting was the addition of Kendall Bryles and what he was going to be able to do with Felipe Franks. So um, we're seeing that, I mean, coming to, you know, our, our vision right now and seeing that Franks is being able to work that Kendall Bryles offense and their defense is being able to withstand um, a lot of these powerful SEC offenses because, I mean, honestly, I've seen more offense out of the SEC teams this year than defense on a lot of them. So for Arkansas to like hold these teams very low to low numbers, I mean, giving up 30 to Auburn is, you know, questionable. I mean, giving up 37 to UGA is not at all, especially when it's your first game and you actually held the lead for the majority of that whole first half. So, I mean, that's, that's great and upward trajectory for Arkansas. And I can only see them, you know, get better throughout this season and then into next. And for our disappointing team, to me, this wasn't hard. Um, <laughs> and I say Auburn, um, which it's so ironic because I feel like when it comes to the SEC, you and I kind of think the same um, mm -hmm. because I've never been high on Bonex. Bonex, um, we've seen flashes of him, and when he's on his game, he's very talented. But that's the thing is when he's on his game. Like the key word is in that phrase is when he is so inconsistent. He is um, he's so inconsistent. He can be inaccurate. That inaccurate at times. His decision making is very questionable. Bonex is so overhyped. I mean, going end end, end of the last season. They were already putting him in the Heisman odds. Like, what? What has he done last season to, you know, earn that? And like, the, the reason why I put them as a disappointing team is, you and I were both high on Auburn. Mm -hmm. We were very high on Auburn, and I didn't think I thought Auburn was going to beat Georgia. That was the surprising game to me that really stood out. I mentioned the Arkansas game previously, and even the South Carolina game. Um, you know, last or this past weekend when Bonix was frustrated on the sideline um, with his teammates. And I mentioned Seth Williams to you. I don't remember who said this. Maybe it wasn't you. Because someone someone compared, someone saw a lot of Mike Evans and, Sam, and Seth Williams because he's that big bodied. Um, he's got those elite hands. Um, but like, obviously, we can break down NFL talent and prospects later. But I like that comparison. But Auburn, um, to me, this wasn't really this wasn't a hard team for me to pick. Uh, I mean, they lost to South Carolina. They almost lost to Arkansas. And um, I, I think, I think the two teams that I picked tonight are, you know, kind of flow really well with each other. Um, a game that, you know, Auburn almost should have lost against Arkansas. Um, I think you could very well, if Andrew's listening to this, I think you can make a case for putting Kentucky as your um, surprising team. Mm -hmm. um, they've done they've done really well throughout the first course of the few weeks but i've got auburn and they lost a lot they lost marlon davidson they lost noah iguabe i don't work i don't run i don't, I don't know the last name. <laughs> <laughs> Derek brown um uh, the, the big guy on there is big cat bryant on their defense um and Phoenix, seth williams they lost their running back to a i think he went to like a he either went to a low D1 or a high D2 school, uh, Jatavius Whitlow. Um, I wasn't overly impressed with him, but 
Auburn has a good enough offense where they shouldn't be this bad right now. Um, that's the way right. I look at it. You've got Anthony Schwartz. You've got Seth Williams. You've got a talented run game. And I'm not saying Bonix is trash, but because we, because I mean, a lot of people are saying that he has that he has a lot of upside. And the way he's playing right now, um, you, know, like, you know, you're seeing a lot of quarterbacks go, you know, three and done. Um, if he doesn't pick it back up end of the season or it's the second half, um, this could be a guy that could potentially, you know, stay for four years instead of his three years. Um, but he, he's got a, we have yet to see um, that leap from Bonex um, because I, I don't like, I, I want to like Bonex and like, I'm high on Auburn. I'm high on Auburn this year. I've never, I have never disliked Auburn. Um, every time Auburn plays Bama, like, you know, we want it to be, um, I think you even said it when we were predicting this team, um, doing SEC season predictions that this could be a year where, you know, Auburn has the talent to stay in the game with Alabama. Um, but obviously now we're not seeing that the first few games. <laughs> so um, we, we have yet to see my, – my concern is Bo Nix. Um, Bo, we have yet to see the big leap. Um, when, his, when his game is on, he's very talented. Um, but his decision-making is – that's the big concern for me, um, but Auburn is my most my, Auburn's my disappointing team. Yeah, and you know we spoke prior to this, and Auburn was on my list of disappointing teams as well. Um, so I kind of let you have the the stand there, but we completely agree on why this is the case for Auburn, and that relies on Bo Nix's shoulders. Um, I don't know if you paid attention to the game against South Carolina last week at all, but. Um, him and Seth Williams got into it on the sidelines. Him and his mm -hmm. OC got into it on the sidelines. I don't know what Bo Nix's deal is. Is, is he think he's the shit and he's really not? Like it's it's just excuse my language. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, ultimately, does he think he's you know hot stuff and he's really not? I mean, Seth Williams is a great wide receiver in my opinion, or Seth Seth Williams, right? Yep. Yeah, I think he's a great wide receiver in my opinion, and Bo Nix just just can't get him the ball where he's supposed to give him the ball. He's behind him. It's too high. It's in Seth Williams is doing everything he can and he's running right routes. Bo Nix throws the wrong route. It's, it's up in the air. And you and I talked about this Auburn team was only going to go as far as Bo Nix led them. And we're seeing that come to fruition now. Um, but moving on from Bo Nix, I will move on to um, my most disappointing team so far this season and that is going to be the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, I hope Amber's not watching this because she will probably turn it off as soon as she tunes in. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the way that Oklahoma's, you know, <coughs> beginning of their season is shaped out is not good at all. I mean, you lose to Kansas State by three points. Kansas State hasn't really proven to be all that great of a team after that win. Um, then you lose at Iowa State by seven. You pretty much had that game the whole game and then allow Iowa State to come back on you. So that's been the problem in both these games. They gave a big lead to Kansas State and Kansas State, and then they also blew a lead to Iowa State. So and then they almost blew another one against Texas. They had a lead against Texas. They were up and then they barely squeak out a win in overtime, uh four overtimes, excuse me. So that doesn't really, you know stand out to me as a solid win because in my opinion, Texas isn't all that great either. Um, Texas isn't back. So um, it is what it is when it comes to Oklahoma. Rattler is going to, you know, have to take these, these hard learning lessons. And that's exactly what he's going through in his freshman year. 
um, even though it is his redshirt freshman year. So, I mean, that's just something he's going to have to do. He's got a tough TCU defense heading coming up. He's, the schedule doesn't get much easier. I mean, playing Texas Tech at Texas Tech and then having to play Oklahoma State as well as Baylor to end the year out, you're going to have a real chance to, you know, make some some noise if you're Spencer Radler and the Oklahoma Sooners. If Lincoln Riley can figure that out, how to not give away these leads is going to be a big thing for him, that defense back together. Uh, but, yeah, Oklahoma has really underwhelmed me um, to start off this 2020 season. Yeah, and we I, I was on the panel two weeks ago for college game day, and um, my, my disappointing team, I think I Texas at the time, um, but Amber, ha- Amber, I think, made a really good point. I think the Big 12 as a whole has been, um, you know, not really lived up to a lot of our expectations or – I guess the hype um, of this season yet. Um, and um, I know you're a guy that's, you're a big fan of Spencer Rattler and Spencer mm-hmm. Rattler has a ton of talent and we, we've seen, we've seen what he's capable of. They have to like, we, they have yet to unlock his capability. I know he's young. He has a lot to learn and grow. And you kind of, you pulled up their schedule with, they've got a tough road. They, they've got a TCU is going to be tough. And you mentioned OK State down the road. That's going to be another tough one. And you look at Texas; they went, they went, they went four overtimes and almost blew the game against Texas. Sam Ellinger putting on probably a career game against that team. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say probably. He did put on a career game against that team. Um, but I mean, towards the end, Spencer Rattler really started to find his chemistry with. Um, guys like Charleston Rambo. There's there's a there's a freshman that they um, hopefully whoever Oklahoma fans are maybe Amber can comment on this. I don't know. There's a freshman on that team. Stogner. Uh, yeah, it's not pleasure. Uh, well, anyways, he was a fresh. He's the freshman. They they utilized him uh, actually quite a bit. Um, yeah, I think it's um, Stogner. Who you're talking about? It might be. Yeah. Um, or or no, it's not TJ Pleasure. Um, but anyways, yeah, my point is like towards the end of that game, um, even as the game started to get into overtime, you started to see Spencer Rattler get more comfortable um, into that offense. And and like the, Lincoln Riley, obviously, we know Lincoln Riley is does very well with, you know, developing quarterbacks and guys like, you know, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, now Rattler. He's going to have Caleb Williams late. Um, once Spencer Rattler leaves for the NFL. Um, but the key to the realm is Spencer Rattler. Um, and we, we've seen what he can do. We've seen some of his weaknesses already. And like you, like you said, like he's young and he has a lot of like, th- there's, he has a lot of room to grow, mm-hmm. um, but I like that pick as well. Um, Oklahoma um, as a disappointing team. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so that'll move us into our Heisman Dark Horses. And for that, I'll let you start, Sam, since I was able to start off the surprising and disappointing teams. And you can go ahead and jump into, um, I guess I should go ahead and bring up the Heisman odds. Just give me a moment. Um, and we'll go from there and let you let you handle, handle the wheel. So I, I chose one over the other. Um, a big fan of I like Desmond Ritter a lot. Um, I know I, I talk to my cousins a lot about college football, and 
One of them says he's they could be a Cam Newton guy. Um, Desmond Ritter is not even on the uh, Heisman odds. Um, but my, the one I picked, actually, he is on the Heisman odds, and that's Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. And the game that really stood out to me, and obviously, you know, like probably a lot, I mean, even a lot of people in the country, uh, was the game against Florida. And the first few games of the season, um, <laughs> I really hope Trevor Lawrence doesn't go to the Jets. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'll be real. Sam Darnold is not the problem. I know they're, uh, and sorry for going off topic, but they're, they were saying a while ago that the Jets don't even think they're going to, they don't think they can get a first round pick for Sam Darnold. Um, but I, I, I'm going to be really upset. If, if the Jets will win this offseason if they fire Adam Gase. <laughs> but that's a topic for another time. But thank you for bringing that up, Michael. Um, but my, my dark horse is Kellen Mond. And through through the first few weeks of the season, um, Florida was the team to beat. Um, Florida Florida was probably had one of, if not the best, offense in um, the SEC. Um, even let alone college football, I think uh, probably right behind Alabama. Kyle Pitts was making a case for tight end one, um, and then you get to the, a- the game against Texas A and M. They stopped Kyle Pitts, and obviously, yeah, Kyle Pitts still had a touchdown against them, but. That was what I was really impressed with was the way the tech, the Aggies defense was able to, you know, contain Kyle Pitts. And I like Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond is athletic. He is a quick release. He's got the cannon of an arm and he's shown off his mobility. And I think even his rushing, he has what I think he has, I think he had around 500 last year and eight touchdowns. Um, uh, last season, excuse me. Um, but Kellen Mond, to me, I think he's an all-round quarterback, and that's a quarterback that I'm really starting to become a bigger fan of. Um, he's very patient in the pocket, and what I like about him is he's not your big-bodied quarterback, but I think he plays with a lot of toughness, especially for the fact that he shows off his mobility. Um, but my dark horse candidate is Kellen Mond. Yeah, uh, I don't mind that at all. I spoke to you earlier. I was close to picking Mond as my Heisman dark horse. I like what he's doing right now. Uh, he's got a great, you know, QBR and everything. He looks good. Um, that Florida game was huge for him. Um, uh, obviously, being able to abuse their their secondary isn't that hard as we have seen. But I mean, Florida was ranked what three at the time or five at the time mm-hmm. or something like that. So that's a huge, huge win. Put up amazing numbers and. You know, people are starting to get back on, you know, the Texas A&M bandwagon here. So that's great to see for Kellen Mond in taking a little bit of a next step in terms of becoming a quarterback, not just somebody who can, you know, make a big play here and there, but becoming a a consistent guy. And if he keeps putting up numbers like he is and completing passes and stuff like he is, um, he'll be definitely somebody to keep an eye on when it comes down to the end of the season. Um, But I'll go ahead and jump into my guy. And he, um, much like your other pick, other than Mond, is not on the Heisman, you know, odds list right now. And that is SMU quarterback Shane Bouchelle. Uh, many of you guys probably know him from back in his time at Texas when he used to play there for a little bit. So um, he's he's incredible this year. He's thrown for over 1,700 yards already. Um you know, his touchdowns could be higher up. Obviously, interception ratio is good, though. Only two picks, and those all came at the beginning of the season. 
um, and his QBR is is top ten. So he looks real good here. Um, I, I I love his stats. Um, everything looks good career stats wise too. And then you you go down and you look at like just game by game. And I mean he's besides those two picks against Texas State to start the year, it's all zero blemishes. Um, just get to pick those touchdowns up a little bit, and then you know he had you know not a, a great game against. Um, San Francisco or SFA, <clears throat> Stephen F. Austin, um, excuse me. And, but that's because he probably didn't play very much in a 50 to seven route of them, but um, big game against Memphis, which is a ranked Memphis team, uh, 30, 27 faltered there a little bit, having to go to overtime and win at two game. but he's got some big games coming up as well. Um, obviously the big one that everybody's going to be paying attention to this weekend is going to be against number nine team in the country in Cincinnati. And, there's another great quarterback on those sidelines too that we could have talked about um, in this segment as well. But I'm high on Shane Buchel. I think he's he's doing the right thing. He's he's making the right plays. He's got an arm uh, evidenced by how many yards he's throwing already this season. So um, keep an eye on him, especially if he starts winning these big games. They still have to play Houston as well at the end of the season. So um, if Shane can win some of these big ones, expect some names that you're not used to or from teams that you're not used to being there you know, at the end of the year in New York. Yeah, I like that pick a lot too. And um, obviously, I feel like maybe some people started to question the SMU offense because they lost Rhett Lashley, a guy that has already done a good job utilizing, um, you know, their tight ends. SMU had a top 10 offense last year. And, you know, I mean, you you pulled up the stats right here that Shane Bouchelle has over 1,700 yards already through five games. He threw 10 touchdowns last year. Um, he still had a really good QB rating, um, but he's on pace to have a career year. And he he only, like you mentioned, he only has two interceptions. And the game this weekend, um, there's an analyst that said that this is the best team that he's ever seen Cincinnati. Um, this is the best Cincinnati team he's ever seen in years. And you're right, Desmond Ritter could have Desmond Ritter could be another guy that we could have talked about. Um, he is probably one of, I mean, outside of like the quarterbacks that everyone knows about, you know, Fields, Lance, Lawrence, even Newman and Brock Purdy. Um, Desmond, Desmond Ritter is my favorite one. Um, I, I love his mobility. Um, he, he's everything you want in a quarterback. And the first week of the season, he didn't, I don't have his stats up front right now, but I know he didn't do too hot. Um, and I think the trouble with that this season is his consistency, um, which I wouldn't say that's a major issue um, um, because it's not he's not making drastic regression through these games. But I love Desmond Ritter. Um, someone on Twitter put him, tweeted him out, uh, watched him. Um, and it's a guy that I've really – been one of my, I mean, not for the Packers necessarily, um, but, but draft crushes. I mean, like the guys that you just can't <laughs> wait to watch, man. Like there's a guy, another guy on Twitter that really likes Kenneth Gainwell. It seems to be his, um, you know, draft crush. But um, but I really like Desmond Ritter. But SMU in Cincinnati is going to be another great game to watch. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tune in as much as I can. I gotta make a trip up to Atlanta this weekend, so uh, I'll be tuning in, you know, via radio. <laughs> um, but we'll move on to our next segment here, and this is probably more of one that you're looking forward to, Sam. And that's gonna be our NFL draft prospects to watch in Week Eight of this college football season. 
Um, and I'll just start off with my offensive player that I'm looking forward to, to watch the most and, or not what I'm looking forward to watch the most. Obviously I am, but um, seeing if he's going to be able to prove to me that he belongs in the conversation of some of these other draft prospects. And that is going to be quarterback for the Iowa state cyclones and Brock Purdy. He is facing a number six um, ranked Oklahoma state team, um, but they are also ranked the number six overall defense in the nation. Um, it's an incredible team that he's going to have to go up against, um, which is going to be hard for him. But the thing that's going to help him here is that Brock – oops, sorry, I changed the thing. Um, Brock loves to uh, loves to pick on small corners. So that's going to work in his favor here against Oklahoma State. They do have smaller corners, um, and he loves his tight end, Charlie Kular. Uh, Kular's having a great mm-hmm. season. Um, it's Brocktober too. So, you know, Brock likes to play in October. So this is his time to shine. And um, last year um, he lost his game and it's a chance to avenge that. So um, the Cowboys defense, like I said, seems legit and ranked number six in the, in the nation, but this is time for Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy to, you know, kind of abuse that smaller secondary that Oklahoma state has. And um, I'm speaking precisely to their safety, Colby Harvell Peel, although he is an animal back there and he's a hard hitter and, you know, he, he plays great defense there at the safety position. He's only six feet tall. I mean, 200 pounds isn't small, but when you've got a tight end coming down the seam uh, it's and you try and jump her out, if you just put enough loft on the ball that Brock seems to do almost every single time, then uh, it's going to be hard to kind of catch that. And you give up six inches and 60 pounds to that tight end. Uh, that's a lot to do. But speaking on the Oklahoma State defense while we're here, um, they're absolutely incredible this year. They haven't really played anybody, though, so. Um, take that for what it's worth, but um, their defense is ranked sixth or seventh in the nation at 274.7 yards per game, only allow 181 passing yards, which ranks 13th, less than 100 rushing yards at 93.7, which ranks 10th in the nation, and only give up nine points per game, which is second overall in the nation. So that right there tells you it's going to be, you know, more of a grinded out style type of a big 12 game, in my opinion, than it than what we're used to. Um, but I will speak on later who I think is going to win this game. So I'm not going to go ahead and ruin that, but that's my offensive, you know, prospect to watch um, this week heading into next year's draft. Yeah. Um, Charlie Kalar. I, I look at Charlie Kalar almost the same way I look at Jake Ferguson from the Badgers is he's a tight end that nobody really knows about. And another tight end, um, who I'd like to get more familiar with now is from the ACC, and you're probably familiar with him, and that's Hunter Long from Boston College. Yeah. Um, he's been appearing in like third, even second round mock drafts. Um, but I really like Brock Purdy. I think he's got he's got unbelievable arm talent. I know after his TCU game, um, his ability to you know adapt under deep pressure, him throwing the ball away into an easy pick six. I think that affected his draft stock a lot, um, quite a bit, I should say. I, I, should, I wouldn't say a lot, um, but I, if I'm not. I think I even saw like him not even drafted in like the second round or not even early in the third. But I like him a lot. He's got the arm talent, accuracy's there, and he he does a really nice job throwing on the run. And we've seen what he can do with his mobility as well. Mm. Um, my offensive prospect. I don't want to pick a like top guy, but this team's playing Michigan, and you know how I feel about Michigan. Um, I think they're the most <laughs> overrated team in the Big Ten. 
Um, but Michigan has a top defense. Michigan probably has top a top three defense going into this season in the Big Ten. Um, and they the did lose guys, their corners, though. Yep, they lost big big talent on their secondary. Uh, the big name, that, the big returning name that comes back um, in their secondary is Ambry Thomas. Um, they also have Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson is a big bodied guy and he has a tremendous amount of speed. Um, there's another guy who I like a lot. I've mentioned him before when we were talking about the Big Ten. And he's now he's appearing in first round mock drafts. Uh, that's Quiddy Pay. Um, but my offensive guy is Rashad Bateman. He's not your big bodied receiver, um, but he, like Brandon Ayuk, I mentioned Brandon Ayuk might be probably was one of, if not the best yards after catch receiver in this draft. I think it's Rashad Bateman for this one. Rashad Bateman had 20 yards uh, yards after catch um, in 2019 last year. And remember, this is this is a team that you mentioned they got Ibrahim in their run game. This is a team that has they rely heavily on the passing game uh, with Tanner Morgan. And I, I think P.J. Fleck is a very underappreciated coach. We've seen what he's been able. I think it's unbelievable what he's turning Minnesota into, um, into a very competitive team and team that everyone now puts on their radar for um, the Big Ten. Um, he, I, I think, I like Rashad Bateman. I mentioned his yards after catch. He's an elite route runner. Um, he has a great burst of speed. Um, I know a lot of people see that in Jalen Waddle as well, um, but. Rashad Bateman is my wide receiver too, right behind Jamar Chase. And this is not my upset game, um, but I think Minnesota beats Michigan. Yeah, I like that. Um, Bateman is uh, he's a hawk um, when it comes to you know the wide receiver position. He just floats around the field. It seems like he just always makes the right play. Always a big play too. Uh, much like Brandon Ayuk, like you were saying, it's it's cool to watch him play. Um, he's just one of those dudes who always you want the ball in their hands, and um, he's probably going to prove that against some very young cornerbacks against Michigan this weekend. And I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, but since I started off with offense, you want to continue on and go with your defensive guy? Yeah, sure. Um, my defense is I'm going to stay in the Big Ten. Um, I'm going to check where they play actually. Um, they play I'll find it. Um <laughs> Chaka Tony from Penn State. Um there's Jason Owe who's been appearing in first rounds and there's Shaka Tony. And when I was looking at Shaka Tony Shaka Tony Indiana by the way. Yes, thank you. Um Shaka Tony had has a little bit similar of a build of Zach Bond. And that, that's the way I think of him is he doesn't have, you know, that elite build that you want in an edge rusher, but look at Zach Bond. Zach Bond got drafted as high as he did because he has, he was one of the fastest edge rushers at the 40 at who ran the 40 yard dash at the combine. His athleticism and his speed made people overlook that case. And I think that's exactly what Shaka Tony's going to do. I think Shaka Tony, my big, um, concern for him from him. Um, although I think it's definitely a thing that he can definitely, you know, develop, um, is I like his technique a lot. Um, but I think he isn't very consistent with it. There's times where he does rely on his athleticism because he's so athletic. Um, and I, I love how 
th- there's even plays where like it's out of reach and you know he he'll come flying down the field with his burst of speed and um, making making those plays. Another one, um, I wouldn't even I would probably call this a very minor weakness as he is a bit of a high tackler at times. Um, and that's I was looking up another. Um, this is another edge rusher on the lean, a bit a little bit on the leaner side. Um, that's Hamika Rashid Jr. over in the Pac-12. Um, Oregon State, uh, but I like Shaka Tony, and you mentioned Shaka, the Penn State plays Indiana. Obviously, they don't have Micah Parsons anymore, um, but the top two guys to watch in that defense is Jason Owe um, and Shaka Tony, and Shaka Tony is my draft prospect to watch for defense. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't know much about Shaka Tony, so I can't really speak on him <laughs> at this moment. So thank you for filling in, for filling me Absolutely. in on, on him and me you know for me to be able to keep an eye on him now. Um, that you kind of, you know, brightened my eyes towards him to pay attention. So um, thank you for that. Um, but my pro- NFL draft prospect to watch on the defensive side of the field is coming from my Knowles, and that's going to be cornerback Asante Samuel Jr. Um, he's been an absolute terror all year to opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers, but he is going to have his hands full this weekend against perhaps one of the top five wide receivers in this year's draft, in my opinion. And that is the number one wide receiver there in Louisville, Tutu Atwell. Uh, he led the he led the ACC in um, receiving yards last year as well as receiving touchdowns. So. I mean, that just proves to you already he's a dangerous weapon, and that was just as a sophomore. So, um, But Asante Samuel's been holding his own, too, this year. He's um, got 18 solo tackles. He's got three interceptions, five passes defended. Um, he's grading out so well that <laughs> opposing quarterbacks are, have a passing passer rating of 33 when they target Asante Samuel Jr. in a game. And the quarterback rating for just, you know, taking a spike – is at 39.6. So you have a better quarterback rating for spiking the ball <laughs> as a quarterback than you do of throwing the ball towards Asante Samuel's side of the field. So um, I expect him to, you know, this is going to be a different matchup for him. He's been having to deal with <clears throat> big dudes, um, you know, the, all the big guys with North Carolina last week. Um, and this is going to be a different challenge for him because this isn't a, necessarily a big guy, but this is a burner. This guy's going to burn you. This guy's going to try and run routes on you that you've probably never seen before and use his quickness and hands to, to get, you know, open. And then he's going to try and, you know, run away. From <clears> you. So It's going to be more of a slot challenge for him, in my opinion. I don't see it being necessarily a huge issue for, for Asante this next week. But um, this dude has really stepped up, in my opinion, in terms of moving himself up draft boards just after his, you know, four games so far this season. So, Really looking forward to seeing that matchup between those two and especially seeing if Asante Samuel can keep up this work that he's been doing against some of these top ACC wide receivers. Yeah, I think that's a really nice pick as well. And I, I think you mentioned his consistency, and I think that's been nothing short of impressive. Um, even going into that North Carolina game, um, they had 30-plus points. It was 37 at half, right? I think it was 37 at half. Um, uh, the Knowles, we were at 31. 31, yeah. Or 31, it was 31-7. Yeah, um, and even even their secondary too. I mean, Hamza Nazaruddin, um, who also is another guy on that on that secondary room that that's working his way up the boards. And um, Louisville, I think, would probably be one of my other disappointing teams because 
their offense is so their offense is so good. And you, Des Fitzpatrick, Tutu Atwell, um, Malik Cunningham. Um, their defense hasn't been great. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, that like this is going to be a really good test for him. Obviously, North Carolina was, but um, this is going to be another really a really interesting test for um, Asante Samuel. Yeah, definitely will. And yeah, like you're saying, Louisville is kind of in one of those more disappointing teams this year. We expected them to take a leap this this year under Scott Satterfield. Uh, you're high on Scott Satterfield. I'm high on Scott Satterfield. There's so many coaches around the league that are <clears throat> high on Coach Satterfield, so many media members that are high on him. It's just kind of been a disappointment. So hopefully this isn't the game where they kind of break out of that slump uh, for my sake and Asante's <laughs> sake. So um uh, with that being said, we'll jump into our week eight upset picks. So my pick, um, again, this what I had Minnesota and Michigan, um, but my pick is going to be TCU over Oklahoma. Um, a, kind of similar reasons to, um, to, when, to when you alluded that Oklahoma was your disappointing team. It's because their offense lacks the consistency. TCU has tons of defensive talent returning we've been through this before when we were talking about the big 12 um guys like trayvon morig um and darius washington even uh what's his name jack wallow or garrett wallow um who was i believe one of the leading tacklers up at horn frogs defense um i i think this defense is going to put a stop to that offense and i think tcu um i think tcu wins i think tcu upsets oklahoma yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. CCU's at home. Um, they haven't really played up to what they could. They've been in close games, though. So, I mean, that's not shocking to me um, that they're one and three right now, but they're evolving pretty close. And like you said, Oklahoma is what it is right now. It's going to take some time. Yep. And this could be a really nice bounce back game for them, too, especially if they beat a team like Oklahoma, who obviously is still a very talented team. That could really boost their momentum a lot for the for the coming games. Um, for this right, it, it definitely could, and they could get back, you know, on the right track here in terms of getting their their schedule back in in tow and what it should be instead <clears throat> of you know just letting it fall apart. So um, that'll be huge for them if they are able to go ahead and upset Oklahoma, and then at that point we can start talking about Oklahoma even more being an even bigger disappointment than we already have because at that point do you start to see you know, things start to unravel for them in terms of where Spencer Rattler's mentality going to be. How is Lincoln Riley going to be able to control that? I mean, we saw Spencer Rattler get taken out for a little bit of the last game. Um, I don't remember if it was the Texas game or not, but he he was out for a little bit of the game. I don't know if it was because of an injury. Right. Yep. Um, I don't think I don't know if it was because of an injury, but even when he was good to come back and he had his helmet in his hand, he still <clears> kept him out of the game. So I don't know where mentally that Oklahoma team is, especially after giving up leads after lead after lead. Um, so we'll see because if TCU does win that game, uh, all eyes are going to be on Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. But um, I could have picked that one um, as my upset pick, but I wrote a few down here. I could have gone with Ole Miss over Auburn, um, just based off of what we were speaking about with Auburn earlier. I could have gone with South Carolina over LSU. I don't even know why LSU's favored in that game, to be honest with you, um, but they are. Um, I don't think LSU's all that great this year. I could have put hit them in a disappointing team as well up to this point in the season. Um, sorry to hate on your quarterback there at LSU that you were so high on, Sam. 
<laughs> Miles Brennan hasn't quite uh, lived up to the hype, but um, uh, my second pick here um, was Iowa State over Oklahoma State. I already touched on them, so I don't need to go into that. Um, just to let you know, I am picking the Cyclones to um, go in there to Norman and upset Oklahoma State just because I don't think Oklahoma State has played all that great of teams up to this point in the season, and this is going to be their first real test. Um, but my upset pick of the week here is going to be number 21, Minnesota, over number 18, Michigan. And the reason behind that is, is we've got a real young Michigan team here. Um, not only on the defensive side of the ball, we've already touched on that. Their cornerbacks are pretty much all freshmen. Um, it's just going to be real tough for them to, you know, get stops against Rashad Bateman. And then um, what's their quarterback's name over there? Um, Tanner, Mor- Tanner Morgan. Tanner Mor- That's right, Tanner Morgan. Um, it's going to be a difficult process for uh, that defense to have to handle um although everybody else on that defense is pretty solid they're just young on the outside and in in the backfield so that's gonna be tough for them to overcome i think rashad bateman's gonna have himself a day um he's excited to get back on the playing field after all this time and not only that you switch over to the offensive side of the ball for michigan and this is where the real questions start to come into um shea patterson geez can't believe we're saying this, but Shea Patterson is no longer at Michigan. Um, so now uh, it appears that it's not even going to be Dylan McCaffrey. Uh, word on the street here is that it's going to be Joe Milton. Yep, the 6'5". Um, I think he's a junior uh, who's going to be starting. Uh, lots of comparisons to Cam Newton, I'm sure you know about. So um, it's been all over Twitter, at least I've seen. that It's just so much hype surrounding him. But – you know what comes with the hype in Michigan and what mm-hmm. comes with the hype surrounding Harbaugh. And what does that usually tell you, Sam? Overrated. <laughs> yep. It tells you exactly what you and I have been harping on since we started this podcast. And that's, it's just typical Michigan fashion. You're going to hear the hype. You're going to hear the comparisons to this guy's this guy, this guy's that guy. And I mean, it could be, it could be a decent squad, but ultimately it's too young of a team for, for them to, you know, have any real impact. In a in a pretty much a prime time game versus a ranked opponent in Minnesota, who's a lot more experienced than than they are. So, um, and they don't have PJ Fleck. So, I mean, PJ Fleck, in my opinion, at this point in his career as a college coach, is better than than Harbaugh right now as a college coach. So, um, that's my upset of the week. I think I think it ultimately ends up being a blowout. Yeah, I, I, I that's part of the reason why I picked Rashad Bateman as my offensive guy because. I think he has a chance to have a field day against um, that Michigan secondary. And I, I, I don't think the Michigan secondary is like horrible. Um, they're, they're, they're very talented. I, I, I like Ambry Thomas, but um, they have a lot of room to grow. And like you mentioned, they're young, um, but, and Rashad Bateman is very experienced. I already, I gave my points on them earlier. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really wouldn't surprise me if it's a higher scoring game than others. And um, your point on Oklahoma State too is, I really like that you brought up that you know they haven't played like look at look at Tulsa and like Tulsa was my surprising team, um, and a big factor of that was that game. Like Oklahoma or Tulsa was able to keep Oklahoma State close in that game, and I talked about that game earlier um, when we were predicting the Big Twelve how Ethan Bullock went in didn't look confident at all. Shane Illingworth went in. Um, we started to see Tylen Wallace u- utilized a little bit more. Um, and then Shane Illenworth goes off against Kansas, I think, the following week. Or, yeah, the following week. 
Um, and I know it's Kansas, but still, like they put in a freshman quarterback and he goes off against Kansas. Um, but um, I, I, I like your pick as well, Iowa State. Um, and I, I think that'll be a really, really um, good test um, for the Oklahoma State um, for that Oklahoma State team as well. Um, but, well, yeah. Yeah, it's – I just pulled up their schedule. So they've played Tulsa, um, mm-hmm. West Virginia, and Kansas. So Kansas isn't anything special at all. Um, West Virginia is kind of taking a down year after their decent season a season ago. And Tulsa, they started off the year after, you know, staying in it close with Oklahoma State, uh-huh. and they've kind of slid off since then yep. um, as well. You, you, as, you have to so, follow a week, and you're right. Yep, they've started to kind of show that regression. Yeah, so it's just it, Oklahoma State. I haven't bought into it yet. I've got to see more, and this is going to be a big test for them, and mm. I don't think it's going to happen. And ultimately, I think whoever wins this game is going to be the favorite to win the Big 12. Interesting. Okay. I mean, ultimately, um, I, I don't think Texas is in it anymore after nope. after losing again. And then Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma State seems to be the favorite. And, like, I, I'm definitely on your side there. I think a lot there's a lot of people that are putting them in their, um, in their top four. I would have had Florida because uh, I – Going into the season, I thought Georgia was going to get in, um, but I don't think Georgia has to win out. And I, I think that Georgia Florida game uh, later in the season, I think that's going to be a really, really big deciding factor of who can potentially earn that number four spot. Because I think yeah. one, two, and three will be Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Yeah, you're you're right on the head there, Sam. Uh, Florida's going to have to win out, period, at this mm-hmm. point after taking that loss to Texas A&M. Uh, I think they should have won that game, but I guess Jimbo always has Florida's, you know, has the upper hand when it comes to, to playing Florida. So um, for Florida, but the thing here with Florida now is that they've shut down their whole facilities and mm-hmm. everything for two – this is going to be the second week now, and that's two weeks of no practice – heading into the world's largest outdoor cocktail party in Jacksonville against Georgia. So how, how are they going to look? How rusty are they going to be coming into a huge matchup in a game that they have to win to be able to even make it to the SEC if there's an SEC championship game to the SEC championship game to take on most likely Alabama. So um, I don't see that happening. And then if Georgia doesn't even make it to SEC championship, are we just going to, are we finally going to see just one SEC team in, in the top four, but you're right. Um, the three that are, you know, shoe ins here for that, for those four spots right now are Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio state. Um, Ohio state still got a little bit to prove because they're a little bit behind everybody else, but um, that should bode well for them in getting extra playing time, a little bit of extra time in the books. Um, things of that nature. So we'll see how that goes. So that four spots ultimately wide open. I mean, um, Notre Dame doesn't look all that great to me. Uh, I don't know even who else is, you know, necessarily high up there ranked ranking wise. Um, Oklahoma state hasn't shown me enough. If they win this game, then you can start to talk about it. Yeah. And I think even the Aggies are up there too. I think there's seven right now. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting now that everybody's back. Well, not everybody. Sorry, Pac-12. Um, you guys are coming back in just a, a little bit over two weeks. So um, 
can't wait for you guys to, to join the party and hopefully, you know, Oregon can insert its name into the conversation as well there. But um, anything else you want to you wanna say before we go ahead and head off, Sam? Lots of young quarterbacks to watch in that Big 12 or not the Pac-12. Um, so that, that's going to be a fun team to, you know, break down uh, once we get once we get to that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I want to thank I want to thank everyone on Rep for giving Caleb and I this platform. Uh, I'm thinking, thank, thank Perry. Uh, I'm probably going to miss some names here. Perry, Monique, Alex, um, everyone in Unwrapped. And I really appreciate you guys giving me and Caleb um, this platform, um, you know, speak, speak our opinions um, and make a name for ourselves. Yeah, it's uh, been an enjoyable process up to this point. We're only going to continue to grow. And um, we just actually started up a um, new college show on Saturday mornings at 11 p.m. Eastern time, an hour right before kickoff of all the games um, that start off noontime. Um, so that's 10 p.m. your time, Sam. And then over on the on the Pacific coast there, you've got it at um, 8 a.m. bright and early. So make your coffee, tune in. Um, great show. Sam was on the first episode. I have yet to be on there to make it, but I've been tuning in. Um, I think I'm going to either make it this Saturday or a bunch of the following Saturdays in the future. Um, just because I, I, I want to so badly. Uh, I just haven't been able to have the time to do it yet. But um, if you guys tune in on, on there, check out Andrew Williams. He's the main host of the show. Um, check him out on Twitter as well. And um, thank you guys again. If you haven't already look down at the bottom of the screen on the ticker, you got both of our promo codes down there, down there. One for my bookie, use code USN100 for double your deposit. And then head over to rxhemp.com for your all natural pain relief CBD cream and use code rxhemp-USN for 10% off every single order. Thank you, Sam. And I'll be seeing you next Wednesday. Yes, sir.